Now and Again is brought to you by the Cage Club Podcast Network. For all things Cage, Keanu, and more, head on over to cageclub.me. That is cageclub.me. Hey everyone, Chris here. Just thought I'd give you a heads up on this episode. Chris and I decided to record this episode live, um, live in like big air quotes. We were just kind of both at this meeting of people that eventually kind of turned into a party, and we had a couple of drinks, and we used our friend's condenser mic and just kind of did it on the spot. But because of that, it sounds a little weird. There might be some weird edits, but there's definitely an energy to this episode that I really like. A++ would record again. Hope you enjoy. It's early 2001. The Netherlands becomes the first country in the world to make same-sex marriage legal. El Chapo escapes from prison for the first time. Tiger Woods wins the Masters. And this is now Volume 6, Side A. Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back to the program. This is now and again Volume 6. And with us today, uh, a fellow CM, uh, Chris Murray. How are you? How's it going, guys? Good. First to start off, I always ask my guest. We are in spring of 2001, and where are you? You actually brought your high school yearbook. So I brought my freshman yearbook to kind of help reground. So you were a freshman in high school? Yeah, I was a freshman in high school. I think I was too. Spring, yeah, uh, spring freshman. Um, Just kind of reground myself of like what was going on. And it's so funny because I don't know, uh, not every yearbook has this, but certain yearbook companies, like the last like four or five pages, which is like, what happened in the year? And it's the most, the most dating and upsetting shit ever. Um, I should have. <laughs> Will Smith at his height and the first winner of Survivor. Oh, <laughs> the Dreamcast is going to be huge. <laughs> oh, poor Dreamcast. Oh, man, but you get to play so much Shenway on there. Yeah, like there's a, there's a, the big movie that they were, they've got a cutout from is uh, Jim Carrey's The Grinch Stole Christmas. Oh. Which is actually a Ron Howard movie, and everyone likes forgetting that. It's, Which I saw in theaters, by the oh, way. That's, you know, it's interesting that we both of us have a ton of friends. Or, I mean, I don't know about Tom, but we have we keep in touch with friends from high school. I feel like that's more. I feel like I don't know if social networking did that, but I, I feel like our parents, my parents at least, don't I keep in touch with their high school friends. We're on a weird cusp with this. The social network is a good, really good thing to bring up. We're on this weird cusp. I think I'm going to college now. I'm 31. I'm going to college now. I didn't go to college. Pretty much everyone else did. 18 to 21, 22. I remember working full-time and it being a big deal when Facebook opened up and you didn't have to have a college email address. Yeah. That was huge. It's like, huge. Uh, it's like 2006. Yeah. I, I, like, so I remember diving headfirst into it. And then this is the you know post-MySpace, post-Friendster. Yeah. Um, and it definitely helped people keep in contact. I think now you're seeing with generations slightly younger than us that there's less of an interest in keeping in co- actual contact or hanging out with people because – I just see you every day in my newsfeed. So what's the point? Exactly. We still connect, uh, and it, we we came into our youth right before cell phones. Right, well, before smartphones. Mm-hmm. Right when cell phones were becoming like, well, everybody had one. I remember being jealous. I hung out with most of my brothers three years older than me. I mostly hung out with my brothers' friends growing up. I remember being really jealous when two of them got pagers, and wow. then one of them got a pager that actually had. SMS texting ability on it. And that was just the coolest, the coolest fucking thing. It was amazing. That was probably like, probably 99, 2000, like maybe like a, a year and a half year before this album. Yeah, it's so cliche and so stupid, but yeah, like shit's fucking changed, like changed mm-hmm. hard. 
and again, like just this album, we're just saying like this is a pre, it was a pre nine eleven album. I kind of like you can look at the songs, and I can remember because I took notes on it. Like half of them, I don't, I don't know because I was, I was an angsty teenager, and I was starting yes. to get into like punk rock and metal and shit. And there's embarrassing notes that I have about a couple of these songs. There's certain ones that I, I just don't remember, but I can listen to all of them and be like, no, there's like an innocence here. There's just like. Pop's gonna be great forever, and things are sunshiny, and we go on like we go to the beach in our Jeep Wrangler with the top off, and everything's cool all the time. Like everything was a Pepsi commercial. Everything was great. Yeah, I mean, t- today of all days, like a, a George Bush pre nine eleven America seems yeah. so novel. So while this album came out, he had been president. We were all kind of like, yeah, he's. We might not have voted for him because all that shit had happened. Yeah, the last November. episode. Yeah. But it was like we we're kind of like getting used to like not to be shitty, but like the hillbilly president, and he goes golfing more than anything else, and he just inherited he inherited a good thing. And it was just like there's actually an amazing clip of him being interviewed by the press. He's like, I don't want to talk about the press anymore. Now watch me hit this drive, and it's uh, it's so like it's a little shitty. It's like no, you're the president. You should be working. But at the same time, it's like no, that was life then. It was just like oh, the president's playing golf again. You know, he doesn't have anything important to worry about. That's fine. That's, that's fine. So it's weird. It's, it's so, it's so, it was so surreal. And I'm glad I pulled out the, the yearbook because one, it's, there's, there's very young punky, not, not even punky. I wasn't even full punky yet, but just like young, annoying pictures of myself. Like the people that I, you know, up until recently, like employed, I was younger than them. And a lot of the teens that worked for me were really whiny, obnoxious, and like, oh, I'm so glad that, like, there's no opportunity to, like, go back and meet yourself. I would fucking hate me. Oh, yeah. So much. Oh, I absolutely. was so I was so smart. Oh, I was so smart. I was, like, the smartest ever. Holy Can't tell shit. tell me nothing. I mean, I, I, I work with high school kids. I know that at that, that age, you... Nothing has changed. Just, like, their medium of shittiness has changed. Like, they can be <laughs> shitty on more platforms, but they are still it's, the same it's know-it-all easier. turds. Well, it's easier to be shittier with, without exerting yourself as much. Exactly. You had to go out of your way to be shitty. <laughs> if you didn't like someone, it kind of goes back to what you said before. Like, you didn't have to see them anymore. Right. At, the, at 3 o'clock or whatever, you went home, and you didn't have to see these kids until the next day. Now, someone can follow you on the internet and just be a turd to you. Like, when people talk about how cyberbullying is like, oh, like, man up. Like, fuck you, dude. That shit is definitely real. No, the only anonymous bullying you could have done was, like, someone you didn't like. And this, and this again, it, it already sounds like, this is too much work. You would find out their locker and leave, like, a shitty note in their locker, which means that you had to probably follow that, stalk them at some point to find their locker. It's like, that just sounds like too much fucking work. And now you can just send them uh, a menacing tweet. Yeah, anything. Any any form. A comment on YouTube. Uh, a tweet. Uh, a comment on Instagram. A comment here. You know, fucking there are whole agencies. I can send someone a gummy bag dick. A bag of gummy bag dicks. And it'll be anonymous. Like, it's it's so... it's. I mean, that's hilarious. But it's everything's really at the, at the tip of your finger. So it, it's bred, I think, a laziness and interaction. I'm glad I'm not a kid today. Agreed. Also, the music would be way shittier. The yeah, pop the, music. The pop, the pop music, yeah, yeah. Well, I wouldn't say it's more produced. I mean, it's we're, we're looking at a period well, when it was really starting to get... The first song we're going to talk about is Overproduction yeah, which, which, which City. Yeah, which is fucking great, which is great. 
the 80s is really when overproducing started. That's why you had so many one-hit wonders, because you could have not a lot of talent. But this song's got a hook in it, so we're going to really work really hard on that one song release as a single. Oh, it's a one-hit wonder. The 80s, the 80s and early 90s is like the golden age of one-hit wonders. And then the grudge movement came through and pushed some of that out. It was like, no, it's all about being real and raw and emotions, blah, blah, blah. But everything always kind of – pop music is like this. It's like a slow churn of ice cream. It's always slowly going to get folded back in and like kind of just remixed. So as much as a movement comes through and is like, no, this is it, it's going to get homogenized and used. And I can't remember where it's further down the list, but there is a song that was like – upsetting to me doesn't help that my my handwriting's chicken shred but the amount of auto tune that was used in the refrain i know exactly what you're talking about and, we'll talk uh, about yeah that. but it blew i was like oh they just didn't know what they were using yet and i'm sure that to a early 2000 audience it was like oh this is amazing and cool and but you just hear it and you're like that is jarring and upsetting you haven't figured it out you haven't figured out how to properly use that tool but it is there it's it's in its like rudimentary stage so i'm like excited about that um, yeah, right. in so many ways, we're in like a haven't really figured it out time period. Yeah, yeah. Even watching a handful of videos, just watching, looking at the costuming and the fashion, it was trying to figure itself out. The it, use of CGI is hilarious in some of these videos. It all pretty, looks like pretty bad. I was delighted, and I'll get into it. It's one of my favorite things. I don't. I mean, you don't really. There's no place to go and watch music videos anymore besides YouTube because yeah. it's all they're produced for. So I don't. This could be being out of touch with shit. I don't think there's as many music video movie tie-in music videos as much as there was. And there were a decent amount of them on this list, and it delighted me to no end because it brought back certain – again, so the – the a, a great thing, all right, generational. The term of Netflix and chill now, you don't go out to the movies. You go and watch – you, you hang out at a friend's house, you watch a movie on the couch, you watch as many movies as you want, whatever streaming service you have. Wait a minute. Are you telling me that, that Netflix and chill – is like actually watching movies. Well, I thought it was just. I thought it was just what the kids call fucking. Well, yeah, it's it's what the kids call fucking. You, 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 but there was more of a pomp and circumstance that you would at least go to a movie theater and sit in the back row and get a really awkward handy, <laughs> and in a public place where some hobo jerked off, like you know, in the previous screening. Like at least there was that like allure to it. I've been trying recently to see more films, just like honestly, just like with scripted TV now. We're in this amazing new renaissance of like scripted dramas and film, and bringing plays to um, to film and doing them justice instead of rewriting. Uh, my wife and I, Nicole and I, just saw Fences, which was fucking amazing. But it was true to the play. Before that, I probably the last thing we saw was no, because we also saw La La Land. But then before that was Rogue One, and then before that it was some other like. I think it was Doctor Strange. And not that there's anything wrong with, like, Rogue One, Doctor Strange, but we only go to the movies anymore for spectacle. Mm -hmm. And thinking back to this time period, I saw, because it's what you did, it was something to do. We we went to the movies two, three times a week, just with my friends. Were you a, uh, a Friday night mall kid? No, I was I was a, a Monday through Thursday mall kid. Because <laughs> um, we were either skipping school or going there right after school. To the point that we started to learn the actual security numbering of the entrances. So we'd be like, oh, we're going to like smoke cigarettes and be really cool at, uh, at exit five, which is the one that is now next to Bloomingdale's used to be Macy's. And we figured out that there was this ledge 
there's a security, like, it's hardscaping with potted plants in front of it. And on the other side of this wall were the outside doors for, like, a framing store and the glasses store. But there was this small alcove that was maybe, like, 10 feet by 6 feet that we could just keep our backpacks there. So we would store – it was six or seven of us, and we'd just basically store our shit outside. Like, it's fine, whatever. And we would just lap the mall. Yep. And we'd do that pretty much every day. That's back when, like, there was still a CVS in the mall, and I could convince wow. older strangers to buy me cigarettes because I, I was 15. I feel like the, the mall conversation that always comes up on the show totally not only dates us as, like, 80s, 90s kids, but also, like, geographically pinpoints us to, like, being just Jersey as hell. Oh, yeah. Oh, absolutely. What was, what was your mall? Bridgewater Mall. Okay. It was walking di- I went to Bridgewater Raritan High School. It was walking distance. And so, so this is, fr- we're talking about freshman year, we're talking about 2001. I wasn't that bad yet. I wasn't skipping school. In later years, when I realized that no child left behind meant that they just push people through because they, they're afraid to lose funding, I stopped showing up to school. And I would hang out at either Borders, rest in peace, uh, and just read on my own. I'd educate myself because I could not handle school. School just annoyed the shit out of me. So I'd read on my own, or I'd just putz around at the mall and either wait until, you know, school started 740 was first bell. So I'd kill the first three hours and wait for 10 o'clock for the first movie to start. And then I'd go watch like two or three matinees, get back on the bus and go home. Mm-hmm. Like that was my, that was my like regular schedule for a really long period of time. And it is shocking how easily I got away with it. And yeah. just like, no, like knowing no one, I, I was essentially a missing child every day for six hours. And like, just no one, no one paid attention. Oh man, that's funny. And no, but again, not growing up in this time period, I am glad that some of the dumbest crap I've ever done is not trapped forever on social media. Oh man, that's so true. It's not going to follow me. Is is? And I've traded stories, people I've worked with who are 5, 10, 15, 20 years older than me. And the things that I thought that I did go crazy are, you know, child's play. And like the things they've done of like... Outrunning the cops when they're clearly are going to get pulled over for a DUI or pulling a U-turn in the middle of 22 in that section where it's mostly grass, but they couldn't be like, they couldn't wait for one of the actual U-turns. And I hear those stories. I'm like, you're da- you're a dangerous person and you're a parent now. What's wrong with you? And it just gets met with this like, yeah, but thank God there's no, cause that's, that shit just chases the generation behind us now. There's no, there, 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 you have to be unbelievably aware of every single action you do. And there's a fantastic Onion article about how, like, every 20, like, 46 presidential candidate has already been disqualified by their Facebook exactly. page. Exactly! Pretty much. Well, no, not exactly, because... We've changed the paradigm. We've just completely flown in the face of that, because we don't give a shit, and that's another problem, is that with how available everything at your fingertips is, our memory has gotten terrible. How quickly we rage or outrage over something and then just kind of like, all right, what's next? Uh, I haven't raged about a different thing in like a couple it's, minutes. it's also just who rages the loudest. True. But people don't rage the longest anymore. No, there's no long. It's just, it's just loud. It's just, it's, it's immediate. And it's that instant gratification of just like fast scream into the void and, and you know, upvotes look and looking for upvotes. Exactly. Look for some sort of acknowledgement. Yeah. Uh, anyway, uh, side note to the listeners: uh, This is this is a live episode. We haven't done a live episode since uh, episode one. We have a we actually have a studio audience. One person counts as a studio audience, right? Even if they're not, even if they're in the next room. Yeah. Give us a woo! Yeah, 
All right. That counts. Let's talk some music here. Track number one off of uh, Now Volume 6, Britney Spears with Stronger. Britney Spears, we've been on and off with her on the show, liking her more danceable stuff, not liking her more ballady stuff. This is good. This is, but it's, it's we're hitting a point where Britney is very Britney. Like you know what a Britney Spears song sounds like. You know what you're going to get. And this, interestingly, "Oops, I Did It Again," which is, this is off of, is not on a now compilation, probably because that sells itself. Really? Yeah. And this, like, do you think it peaked already, and then they started now, or were they doing now? If I had to guess. The studio was probably like, we know that this single is going to sell the album on its own. It doesn't need it doesn't need a bump. It doesn't need a, like a yeah. A it doesn't need mm-hmm. the help of other things. So listening to it, like I said, I'm, you're going to hear the same thing over and over and over again from me. Um, that I do not remember this song from 2001. I was not. I wasn't listening to this music. I've heard most of them in the in the past 16 years. Oh, right, right. If, if you told no, it's just 14... Like, it was just like adding that number up. I was like, hmm. If you told uh, 14-year-old me that I'm doing a, a podcast, I'm well, pop- first I'm, you'd be I'm, like, what's a podcast? What's a podcast? <laughs> <laughs> you have a computer on your phone? Yeah, uh, yeah. Like, about the music that was out then. Like, I wouldn't understand it. Well, you're going to be hanging it. out in your friend's house who he owns. You're like, he, I have friends that own homes? I'm like, just... <laughs> um, but it was funny. Listening to it, I was like, I do, I do not know this song. I don't fucking know this song at all until it got to the actual like tight refrain. And that was, and then I heard it. I was like, I think I've heard this in ad campaigns or, or in or commercial broadcasting. And I realized, no, I actually only know this game because, uh, Nicole and I did Vegas this summer mm-hmm. and I spent way too much time on the Britney Spears slot machine and that song plays during one of the mini games. That is the only reason why I know it. And I was like, "Oh, that was the that was the game that like that was the song that gave me twenty dollars." I think I like that song. And that's it. That's like the only only thing I can remember. I hope that when you put a new fresh like twenty dollar bill into that machine, it starts playing "Oops, I Did It Again" just to, like Pavlov's dog. That, that is the addiction. that is actually a regular song that plays every time you you spin the reels. Is that kicks up every single time. That was the first one. That I was like, "Oh man, we're starting off with Britney." I'm excited. I'm like, "I do." Wow, I don't know. I don't know one of the most saturated artists from that time period. I really don't know this song at all. It's it's very similar to to her other songs. Like, um, it's probably for the best that "Oops, I Did It Again" doesn't show up on a now because this song sounds a lot like that. Mm-hmm. Um, the video is is kind of weird. It's not a bright, shiny, expensive Britney Spears biggest pop star in the world music video. It's there's a couple of like weird story beats, but mostly it's her dancing on a flat back background with a chair, and that's it. And it's it's crazy how minimalist it is. Granted, the chair then starts like dancing back at her, and it gets like a, it's a CGI chair that's probably played by Andy Circus. But like, does it get does it get a little like you know, um, top that like oh, like Teen, Teen Witch, Witch? <laughs> a little like top that like does the chair kind of. Um, no, they, freestyle it, it mostly like she like <laughs> she like will kick it and it'll do like a bunch of flips and then like come back to her. It's not like dancing back at her because um, mostly it, it wants to focus on her tits because she's right, right, she's right. got a butt and uh, and some. some I abs wonder. I wonder if movies. if it was like a production decision. They're like, well, we need one more single off this album. Could well, have been. What, what's the what's the strong? All right, it's going to be this. 
well, all right, let's rush the music video. Let's get it on. There's a now album that's about to come out. Let's put it up. Let's, you know, and they said that they're going to put it first. It's going to be the first track. And so I wonder if that's why, like, certain things, like, you're saying that it doesn't hit, like, the regular beats of one of her music videos. It's not as, it's not as, like, because, again, she's still, at this point, first album, they're trying to present you with new Madonna. They're, like, they were still very much that contention of going after that well, this title. Is, this is second album. She's big this by second now. second album, okay. Because um, the Oops, I Did It Again is the lead off of this album, and that is a huge song, huge video. That's her in the red cat suit. Right, okay. That's, oh, that's a monster that is, okay. song. Like that is okay. that is this time period to a T. This is kind of following that. Yeah, it does an interesting thing where, much like on the last episode where Bon Jovi referenced his, uh, he references "Living on a Prayer" in "It's My Life." She references um, "Hit Me Baby One More Time" in this song, where there's a line, "My loneliness ain't killing me no more." She's like, "I'm getting self-referential in my own music already." Like Britney Spears, style us back a little bit. She's about to fall pretty fucking hard soon. You've got the I'm a Slave for You album after this, and then Shaved Head ramming your umbrella into car doors. Britney Spears is not too far away from this. And then after that was was Federline? Or that was during Shaved Head? I think it's during. That's during Shaved Head, okay. And then Vegas Show. Right, which still super mad that I, she was on hiatus when we went. Oh, man, it's like, probably a good show. It, exa- exactly. It was one of those things like we had a list of things we wanted to do, and we, we got the top one, which was Penn & Teller. And then the other things, the other main shows were like, we could see a Cirque du Soleil, but I don't want to be there's molested. There's like 17 Cirque du Soleil's, there's, too. There's Pick one. four there. There's four just on the strip, which was there's insane. Like the, there's the Beatles one. There's the sexy one. Uh, which was like... There's Ka. I don't know the, if that's What's funny is one. that the sexy one is kind of animal-related, and the title is so close to Zootopia, but it's not... That it's amazing. It's and just I, it's just zoo. It's about fucking a horse. I think. <laughs> and yeah, there's there's so many of them. The the things that were happening were the Backstreet Boys were doing a limited run of shows right before we got there. We're like, maybe they'll sign a residency thing and they'll just extend. We're like, because I will watch the shit out of that show. I will be front row screaming. I don't give a shit. That's going to be fucking gnarly. And then the other one was Britney. We're like, and Nicole and I were like, do we want to see that? We kind of went through her catalog real fast. And we're like, but you know, every song's a showstopper. That's, oh God. and it was like the one week that she, she takes off for herself. What the fuck's that about? <laughs> um, no, that was, that's still a little butthurt about that. That was really, yeah. it's like, just have to go back. Last time I was in Vegas, um, we stayed in the Luxor. So I just saw Carrot Top, stupid face. <laughs> Every banner. Cirque is, I, I saw Cirque when it was in New York. I don't remember which one it was, but like, it's a good show. Yeah. Uh, but it, like, you know what you're getting into. And exactly. I don't, I can't understand why there needs to be four different themed ones, but you know, it, it's, it's exactly what you expect. Uh, much like the song, it's exactly what you expect. Yeah. Super overproduced. We're getting to that point where Britney is starting to be like, uh, we can, we can rebuild her voice, make her better, harder. Yeah. Like, she's getting a, robotic. Just a little. I would be interested, again, uh, we were going back to the Vegas thing, I'd be interested in seeing a live show, because Britney was never the the one of those pop singers that was, like, known for her voice. Uh, that was kind of Christina. She's, like, doing all the runs up, up yeah. and down the, the songs. Britney was just kind of, like, she's got that kind of nasally voice. She's hitting her notes. She's doing her dancing. She's showing her, her boobies a little bit. Um, I'll, I'll put money down that she hits her notes better now. I she's believe that. Because if she has a live show... That she does every night, and she has to fill 
she's under contract to they have to fill at least X amount of seats. They don't have to sell it. They have to be profitable to mm-hmm. the casino that she's in. And Vegas is always giving away tickets. To exactly. To casinos, so yeah. I think that she probably – this is something you have to work at and she's on all the time. It's not like touring X amount of weeks or, or dates out of the year. It's it's being fucking on and people going home being like, I saw so-and-so in Vegas in concert. It was amazing. You need to see. You need to go. You're going whenever. Definitely see her. And again, that's something that comes with maturity and growing up, honestly. Like, that, like I, I think she's, she's – I, again, that was one of the things. We're going to see her do – she does the same – you know, they, she does the same fucking set list every fucking mm-hmm. night and has to sell it. Mm-hmm. And that comes with being a professional. That comes with time. So, I mean, you talked about being much, much like me, like a punk high school kid. Um, is is your enjoyment of Britney Spears? Is it a newer revelation, or is it like did you did you like her then, but just couldn't admit it to I, the people around? I, I certainly did. Not necessarily. Not necessarily her. It's not. I never. I've never had any disparaging feelings towards Britney Spears. There definitely there was definitely music that I was like, oh, how could anyone listen to it? And deep down. And it's a, it's a younger, it's a culture of shame thing. It's a younger, like, oh, this is a guilty pleasure. And it took me past my mid-20s and hanging around with people who were really in the scene, the punk rock scene, and how disparagingly they would talk about other people's tastes in music. Of course. Or they would discuss that this was bad or this was shitty or this was awful. Selling out. And selling out. And I was like, I don't want to sound like that. That's really judgy. There really is no, and, and I've come to the realization that there is no such thing as guilty pleasure music. Nope. That means that someone's making you feel shitty about your own tastes, and that's not right, fair. Like that's fucked up. I, exactly. I never want to be judgmental like that. I might not like something, but if someone else likes it, good for them. They found something that they like. That can be really difficult sometimes. I never had a problem with Britney Spears. I definitely enjoy pop music more now. Mm-hmm. Honestly, one of my favorite albums from the year was was. Lady Gaga's swing at trying to slightly move country. Oh, or Joanna. Even, or even just acknowledge that, like, no, country's pop now, and we need to address that because country has not evolved in the past 20 years. I saw Carly Rae Jepsen live last year, mm-hmm. and it was the, one of the best shows. I mean, I've seen Lady Gaga live, too, like, uh, and the, both those are, are incredible fucking concerts. Like, yeah. And granted, like, 14, 15-year-old me with my Liberty Spikes saw a lot of punk shows, but, and they're great, but, like, uh, there's something about seeing a, a performance artist who is also a musician that it, it, it's it's an encapsulation of everything that music today is. It took it took me a long time. It was late teens, early twenties. I was like, oh no, it's okay to listen to something unpolished as long as no one else has heard about it, or as long as the masses haven't heard about it. And so that was the gear change into the indie scene, and like you know, which is so fucking arrogant and stupid to be like. No one knows who Modest Mouse is. Shut the fuck up, little me. You're stupid. You're you're getting in on them on their eighth album. Like Float was like, yeah. It was, it was, oh yeah. The, I was like, the, I was like, I only know about them. Like, shut the fuck up. You don't know shit. But yeah. No, so it's definitely a, a uh, an approach that I can have now. Of like, no, it sounds good. I like it. I can't stop my head from bobbing. So they must be doing something right. The only hangups I still have is when you can clearly hear when something's overproduced. There are certain songs that you can tell when, when they, no, they, they, no, it's not it. It's not, it's not catchy enough. It's not at the right tempo. Let's let's run it through again. Let's and run it through again. Let's she, run it through again. Yeah, and she is very overproduced on this song. It's not as bad as she will get. You know, like post post breakdown, Britney Spears is going to put out that album like that with like it's Britney bitch or whatever. Like yeah, it's, like where she just is is more machine. 
than human. Uh, but right now, like this, this song's really good. The chorus is is killer. Yeah, like we said, we'd see Britney live if we could. Oh, uh, because it's so much of, of a soundtrack to our youth, and there's a lot of quality there. And we're still going to have quality. Like Toxic is still to come. Mm. Like on this show, we will still have good Britney Spears before we hit weird Britney Spears. Weird, yeah. Um, have you ever heard of the artist from this next track? Because I didn't before this. Um, it's Samantha Mumba with the song Gotta, Gotta Tell, Tell You. you. I'd never heard it before. Never. Never heard it before. And listening to it, I was like, this is this is really good 90s R&B. And that's what's really cool about this being 2001, is that some of these tracks are pretty much right at the 2000, 2001 mm-hmm. music's heading in this direction. And some of them are still the, well, this worked five, six, seven years ago, so we're just going to keep producing that particular type of sound. And that's what I got. I was like, I was like, oh, man, this is like a really good 90s R&B song. I was like, maybe I don't know because it's, and I thought it was a movie tie-in song. I thought it was like played during the closing credits because that's what I saw. That's what I could hear playing during Probably the credits. And it, I'm, I'm not sure. But yeah, no, like no massive tie-in. It wasn't part of, you know, Othello or like that, that modern version of Othello. But I don't think that came out yet. There's, um, there's a song later on here that I am blown away was how much of a movie tie-in it is. But I will get to that. I think um, I know what you're talking about, too. This, two, there's two of them. There, there is. One of them is really crazy, but the YouTube comments were just people who were like, I totally forgot this song existed, just over and over again. Like, this song just got lost to the ages, and part of it probably is because I, I, I looked her up. She's Irish. And really? Yeah, this song hit number four on the Billboard charts in the U.S. and was big around the world. This was like the one-and-done um, kind of, at least in America, for her, but like I felt like I kind of remembered the chorus, um, but like I really didn't. I don't. I did not know this song really. But she's big in the UK. I mean, this song had four here, but I'm assuming since she's Irish that she was much bigger uh, there because I have no real recollection of this song. I'm just. I just enjoyed that YouTube was full of people who were like, I forgot this song existed. Like, hey, YouTube. Uh, YouTube comment section, which is the worst place on the internet. Yeah, why did you, you go dig in there? Just, oh, I always <laughs> love to watch. The, the, the YouTube comments for these are very important. Um, <laughs> you get some really ridiculous shit on there. Good. Yeah, no, I, like, I really wish I had more to talk about it. I just didn't know it. I didn't know it at all. It's not bad. No, it's not. I would have, like, like, so far, we're only two songs in. I would 100% already, and I'm going to keep coming back to it. I'm gonna, I would 100%. Uh, suggest now that's what I call music six. It's I, so far. The video kind of has the same plot as the video from the last episode, which was like Bon Jovi's "It's My Life," where mm. the, the character is trying to get to somewhere and is just like uh, like jumping on the back of garbage so, trucks. Yeah, just in general, plots in music videos used to be a lot more important. There yeah. was something happening, and you there was always a point A to point B struggle. Or or it was a performance video. Or it was a performance video, or it was someone was being oppressed because they didn't like their music and they were going to play their music no matter what. Or and we'll get into it with with uh, with definite two two separate videos uh, that are somewhat related. The boy band craze at that time period was the boy band struggling against the obsessive fan. Oh yes, the obsessive fan is the villain, which that's just a weird kind of role play fantasy thing for fans I guess it's like I could be that crazy fan that like is chasing them with a knife and like who the fuck is that for 
and I just found it funny because like in the Bon Jovi video, that guy's like running to the Bon Jovi show. But in this video, Samantha Mumba is like, she's just trying to leave Ireland. <laughs> like at the end of the video, she gets in a plane and flies away. And uh, from what I've, uh, I don't So it's I, a giant allegory for the, the Irish immigration well, and the potato famine. <laughs> I just saw the movie Sing Street, which is incredible. If you have not seen Sing Street, get on oh, that. That's my list. Um, that movie, this is not really a spoiler, but that movie ends with Irish people trying to leave, like, the whole movie's about them trying to leave Ireland. Yeah. Like, that must be a theme. No, that's a people. normal theme in that country. Most Irish people do not live in Ireland. Yeah, it's just about trying to get the fuck out of there, even though it has nothing to do with the song. That's the song so is just the weird. most generic kind of, like, R&B love song. Yeah. Um, it didn't really stick with me. I remember it being decent, but it's, you know, it's just, it's kind of forgettable. Even looking at the title, like, gotta tell you, gotta tell me what. Like, yeah. I, I don't even... Love me, like me, have some sort of transmittable thing. Like, gotta tell me what. Uh, I don't. It didn't. It didn't stick. No, uh, but like, I didn't hate it. It's 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 the Wonder Bread of this album. You know, you gotta you gotta fill the spaces in yeah. somewhere. Uh, but the next song, should we just jump into the next song? Just jump into the next song. We did we did Brit already. Like that that was the the lead off. This is this is Bat and Cleanup. Bye 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 bye. Yeah. Sink. Yeah, and this immediately gets into what I was talking about with the obsessive stalkery fan. Bye 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 is, they're all marionettes, right? Iconic, the, the puppets video. Yeah, and yeah, the, a fan is being their puppet master, but they're also yeah. trying to escape her, but she's sending, she's sending dogs after one of them? Oh, yes, she does. What the fuck? She does, it is, it's straight out of Green Room. She chases yeah. Justin Timberlake with rabid dogs. Oh, that would have been amazing, that would have been amazing, though, if, like, there was this, like, one of them was trapped in a room and tried to, like, push his way through, and his arm got all sliced and fucked up. Oh, that's the hardest part of that. Oh, spoilers. Sorry. That's the hardest part of that fucking movie. Um, Man, now I just, I just, I love the idea that InSync's Bye 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 video uh, <laughs> is, like, a prequel. Or Green Room's a remake of it. show at a skinhead bar. <laughs> in the InSync. Just stuck. The InSync cover of Nazi punks, fuck off. <laughs> fuck off. Oh, my God. Christ. Holy shit! You know, I, I like them. I, I do like Insig now. Like, how can you not? And they they're fucking catchy and they harmonize really well. And I, you know, wasn't a huge fan then, but I still remember how big of a release that music video was because TRL still going on. No, oh, it's in its it's in its biggest it's, swing. You know, right Carson's now. killing it. Um, re- the day music videos got released was a huge fucking deal. The fact that they from TRL they spun off a whole another another show of making the music video. Yes, and I remember, like yeah, like I remember, uh, like it's so crazy that like I I I really can remember that that coming out and people went ape shit and like that's all that's all people talked about in school for like two three days was that fucking video. It's a great video. It it does this thing that mu- I hate that when music videos do where they'll stop the music for like plot points. In in the video, there are times, and it's going to come up later on. It will. There are times that I enjoy it because you get to see singing artists can't really fucking act at no. all. Oh, there, yeah, yeah. Because, and I think so. That whole like, no, we need to we need to stop the song, but that's trying to. This isn't a music video. This is a music film. Yes, and, and the money was there at this our, time. Yeah, there was. There was stupid amounts of money to to promote the album because album sales. That's another note that I made later on. This is what this is right when Napster started. Yes, 
and so album sales were still kind of untouched. Mm-hmm. So that's really where the money was. Money's really not in album sales anymore. That's why touring's become so big. Uh, silver, then gold, and platinum. That was so important. I mean, you look at how much a number one album sells in 2016, and you look at how much a number one album sells in 2001, hmm. and it's it's. I mean, you don't have to go back to 2001. Like that that Lady Gaga album, Joanne, that you were talking about. What it sold on its opening week to be number one versus what her first album sold on week one to be number one, the difference is like it looks like a failure, this new album. But right. it was number one. Right. It's just albums who gives a, who buys a fucking hard album anymore. Exactly. Because again, hadn't launched the iTunes store yet. So, no, so no, you we're not there could at all. not we're not we're not we're off by like five or six years. We're pretty yeah, yeah. We've four got time. four or five years. So you could not buy a song at a time. If you wanted to do that, you had to get a single. Yeah. That was it. Mm-hmm. You went to The Wall or Sam Goody because both of those hadn't gone belly up yet. Coconuts Music. Coconuts. F-Y-E. Yes, yes. Oh, R.I.P. Just the fucking elephant graveyard. Of yeah. Music of, stores. Of, of fucking like. Virgin Megastore. Tower Records. Like Rip. places like just just belly up. I also made a note. So was right, I made a note earlier at the very beginning when I started going through my yearbook. I hadn't even gotten to the first song yet. Just a note. 2001. I was still going to Blockbuster. Just like one of those, like, hmm, that was still happening. Sure. Um, but yeah, all these, all these, um, you couldn't buy just a song and have it everywhere with you want, where, where you wanted. You could buy, you had to buy the single. Real quick digression. Did you ever, have you ever, or did you, when you were younger, ever buy a single? Oh, yeah. Do you remember your first single that you purchased? Because I know mine. <sighs> I remember the first album I ever bought with my own money. Okay. But the first, mm, I don't off of the top of my head. First single that I ever owned myself, I asked for it for Christmas, and I got it, was Amish Paradise by Weird Al Yankovic. The funny thing is... That was is, my first single that I ever owned. So the funny thing is, is I think... I wear that like a badge of courage. I don't know if it was my first one, but the earliest one I remember was Gangsta's Paradise by Coolio. <laughs> I don't know if that was my first one, but I certainly remember owning that one. It's <laughs> amazing. Um, I hope that, that that is because that that parody is beautiful. Um, parody and parody. And parody. Well yeah. done. Well um, done. Watch your homophones, kids. Um, in this video, Justin Timberlake does the Marvel comic superhero pose. He falls from a great height, lands on one knee with his fingertips touching the ground. Down. That's right. That Do you did think happen. They stole it from him. That did happen. We're so many years before Marvel. Man, if he had trademarked that, he'd be even more rich. Yeah, well, that's true. Yeah, it's like, I, why am I trying to help him out? He's, yeah. he's married he's, to Jessica Biel. He's, he's good. Don't worry about Jessica He's real, like. he's real, he's fine. He's doing great. Oh, that's so funny. You're right. No. <laughs> did you rewind that? And you're like, wait I a, did. Wait I, a fuck. I want to see if it was the exact same one that, like, Iron Man would smash onto a car with. Oh and it is God. the exact same. I got it from a boy band. It's so, so fucking funny. So, you were talking funny. about TRL. And here's, here's the thing um, that I was thinking while I was watching this. We've done a lot of InSync and a lot of Backstreet Boys, and every episode I've asked the guest which one they in in the Cola Wars of the, of the boy bands, like which do you prefer prefer InSync or Backstreet Boys? It's been universal. See, what's funny is that listening to them now, yes, now I think, today, to today. now, uh, I think I'd still go Backstreet Boys. Really, you I'd would be the first go one. Backstreet Boys. Backstreet, Backstreet's back was all right. At, at our when I got married at our wedding with our DJ, we had we, we I could pick like 120 songs that were like maybe plays 
I had an infinite number of songs. My wife put me in charge of the music. That was the only thing I got to be in charge of. And I was very, very happy. If I ever get married, that's the only thing I wanted. That's the only thing I wanted. Just the only thing I wanted. And to trail the food. And I got both those things. And it was the happiest day ever. But I got put in charge of the music. I got to, I had a list of 50 couldn't, can never be played songs. Never be played. Even I would some, just list the chicken dance 50 times. That was, that was another, there's, there's a lot more than you think. Really? You want Mambo number five played at your Ooh, fucking wedding. A little bit of Monica in my life. No, you don't. You don't. So there's, it takes, and especially if you're inviting Joe Bruno to your wedding, <laughs> it's going to keep coming up in the podcast. Especially if you invite Joe Bruno to your wedding, you have to prepare. It's like, you know. You might not have to put sandbags around your property in a bad storm. It's not a bad idea. You're not going to feel stupid for doing it and nothing happening. Right. You're just prepared. So I was prepared. <laughs> but we got seven songs that were absolutely must plays. And Backstreet Back was one of them. Huh. And that was one of the best moments of the evening because it was one of those. He played at the absolute right time in that most of the people were getting tired and starting to leave the floor and rehydrating because we've been drinking all night cheers and that came on it was the most crowded the dance floor was for the entire day because it's just one of those like that was everyone's jam they're getting on the fucking floor and yeah so it's it's still like yeah i love and i do like in sync and they i probably like more of their songs than i realize but no it's backstreet boys did i upset the apple cart because if i did i'm happy no you it's like one to one to four now hey studio audience uh in sync or backstreet hey, boys i wonder how much of of my opinion is colored by going back to this because backstreet's back i do remember that song i think it's a good one i wish more of their songs were like that mm-hmm. but everything we're getting on these nows is a real maudlin like garbage ballad acoustic guitar shit yeah, when we get to it, my note on the song for this one is going to be real telling yeah. why, why they're on my I list. mean, but to be fair, if, if we're comparing the songs on this directly against each other, like, you're putting the best one out there with Bye Bye Bye. Like, that's yeah. just not fair. But in general, like, we've been getting real garbage here. I, I wish we could go back. Maybe when we do the 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 retro episodes, um, we're, we'll get to Backstreet's Back. But, like, that's a great video, too. They're doing the Universal Monsters. It's so um, good. I feel like you mentioned TRL. They, like, manufactured this fake war. Between Backstreet oh, yeah. and Sync, like if comparatively today, it's not close to me. This is like a second round TKO. Like InSync is far and away the superior band in my opinion. Their songs are just well, so much, time, much but, uh, like they're jams. But TRL was you're right. They absolutely manufactured that because whenever something else would come on the scene, they would always try and push a third candidate into the fight. Right. And we're a very bipartisan country, of so that's work. So when they'd be like. What about 98 degrees? Pretty much everyone was like, shut it down. Fuck, we don't care. They're, okay. they're fine over here. 98 degrees is the Gary Johnson. Which boy band was the Jill Stein? O-Town? Oh, no. I wouldn't, I wouldn't even count that. What was the fake one that they made up, that, that, that MTV made up? Well, uh, that, O-Town that had, was that had the number two show. in it? No, I thought no, no, no. Oh, I, the the parody band. The parody band. Jill Stein is a parody candidate. Yeah, she's so, a parody candidate. Uh, so. She would be together. In, yeah, yeah, that's it. In together. Oh, yeah. Uh, I'm that into one. that. Yeah, I'm into that. This song, In Sync, always had the this musically their harmonies are so much better than Backstreet Boys, and the bridge of this song where they're all they're all harmonizing together is so good. Probably the best moment of boy bandness we've had. On this episode, oh, it's or on this podcast, fuck. it's so good. Is this the best boy band song? I mean, I know you you would go you would go no, to the I, I, back. I mean, they do use they do use it in an episode of Scrubs. 
and no one's able to get any work done because everyone the has benchmark. Yeah, everyone everyone has to dance to it. It's Turk's ringtone, and no work gets done. There's also an episode where they play Erasure's "A Little Respect" in the operating room. Oh yeah, no, and it's a, that song's like a virus. That song is great. Um, yeah, I, I, this is a great song. The video is memorable, but um, I was a little disappointed in it. Though I do love the fact that it is now the boy band Green Room, and someone should make that movie. Especially now that JT is a uh, is an actor, that would be so great. He was awesome in the Social Network. He he worked perfectly in that movie. No, yeah, he's he's like one of those sneak up triple threat heavyweights. Next song though, ATCs around the world. This song is like everyone knows this song. You've heard this song. That's literally what my note says. Did not know song's name. Exclamation point. Me I was very excited to be like, oh, this song. Now la, I can la, put la, it, la, la. Now I can it. Put it on everything. my Yeah, exactly. Now I can put it on my snowboarding mix because yeah. I can actually find it. This would be like a, a song that's medium difficulty on Dance Dance Revolution. <laughs> oh, shit. You're finally, you're not just doing like one move at a time. You can maybe do like forward and to the left at the same mm-hmm. time. But then it's it's easier moves right after. You're hitting the off beats as well. You're not just doing the, the one, two, three, fours. You're in like the one, two, three, one, two, three is on this. Every la la is a step. It's, a, it's, it's a, not even that. Like it is a very good, it's a very video gamey song. Yeah. It's like this could definitely be in the, like just in the background of like, I don't know, like 1080 snowboarding or something. Oh yeah. We're kind of coming out of an era where these kind of songs were pretty big. You had like that, um, you had that remake of Totally Clips of the Heart that was like super... Dancy. I don't. I, I'll admit, like this is a place that, on this show that I've admitted my uh, ignorance between knowing like what the difference between trance and house and, and like electric. EDM. Yeah, I don't know what the yeah. fuck the difference is or which one specifically. But like this kind of music, like I really enjoy, and it's very repetitive. Other episodes have had Fatboy Slim on it, and I don't like that very repetitive sample based. I, like you can't dance to praise you. But this, the whole video is them dancing. As but they're a dance dancing trip. like idiots. This, <laughs> like, there's another. There's a parallel universe where like that Sinbad Shazam, Shazam movie exists, where like the Mandela effect oh, has occurred. It, it exists and it's the in Baron, this, this and it's the Berenstain well. Bears, uh, like in that universe that I've slid into. Like 15 year old me is like uh, is is rolling and is talking about how he just saw this awesome movie Run Lola Run and like really loves this song. Like, I can see a world where I like this kind of music. There's not a world where, like, I'm dancing and and doing ecstasy to Fatboy Slim. Yeah, it's not hard enough. I just don't see what that music is for. And this is clearly for dancing in a very specific time and place. This is made for raves, essentially. Yeah. 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 And, um, like, I'm never going to think about this song again until it comes up the next time on right. whatever car commercial. Yeah, yeah. And I go, oh, yeah, la, 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 la. Sure. Um, again, the, the place we're at in our age, we really missed the rave craze. We, we did. We just missed that culture. Cause again, if it I know was, people who were still going when we were in college. Though. Oh, same, same. But the height of it, like I really want to say was, was the millennium. Yeah. Was I definitely 99, remember. 2000. And if we were like 19, 20, 21 at that point, I'm sure I would have wound up in some abandoned warehouse with. 7,000 strangers at some point. People brought glow sticks to my 8th grade dance. Mm-hmm. Definitely. Because we were trying so hard yes. to you try and imitate your, you know, what's cool. And what's cool is what when you're a teenager, it's what 20-year-olds do. Exactly. No, I think we, like, just missed it. So, again, like, 
I think if I was slightly older, I would probably know the name of the, I would have probably known the name of this song, the artist, and I wouldn't be surprised if I had bought it in some form. This definitely, you know, there were so many compilation albums other than now at the time. There was probably like a Ultimate Dance Party jams compilation. We remember, probably like, heard this on TV in like a 10 second clip. Do you remember Lifetime used to do like compilation albums all Lifetime? the time? Lifetime. They would do commercials. They were the really bad ones. That they're, that pure mood. Pure yeah, pure moods. Pure moods. It's really hard to say pure, that. Pure. Pure, <clears throat> pure moods. Pure moods. You sound like the fucking Swedish chef. Pure moods from the fjords of New Scotia. Um, no, Lifetime would be the. They were the ones that like made it assembly line like. They, they would give you a scroll on the screen and you'd see like a couple walking down the beach at you know, sunset. <laughs> and you'd get three track titles in white. And then the yellow track title would come up, and you'd That's hear a sample of that song. And there would be like an announcer being like, "All of all of the the power ballads you know and love: Brian Adams, Mister Big, just to be the and then next." Two or three team. more, you yeah. get another sample, and then you pull that Gull- Gilligan's Island shit and be like, "And the rest." And you're like, "What the fuck?" No, the, yeah, compilation albums were huge, huge. Yeah. That's so weird. 1995. Call now, credit card or cash on delivery yeah. only. Fiore. What Columbia? Seven albums for a penny or yeah, more. yeah. They'd send they'd send everyone the magazine and they they send you the album first, and then you'd have to mail them money back. I got a decent amount of CDs just by not not paying them. I don't, out, I don't give a shit. That's shitty. Check out the uh, official now and again Twitter to see all of the commercials for the now and agains as they come out. Oh so yeah, around the world is certainly a song that's on here. Okay. Uh, the next song I have some words about. Um, I'm very conflicted about Jennifer Lopez's "Love Don't Cost a Thing." Okay, Is she so, dating or married to at this time? Puff you know? Daddy. Okay. So married. that makes sense. Uh, it, it, it's probably about him. It, if, if it was today, a line would be, think I'm going to drink Ciroc. I won't. But I, I just can't believe this song. Like, it, it sounds, it rings so false to hear Jennifer Lopez saying, even if you were broke, you could still be with me. I'm just like, mm, I mean, sure, you, be- you married your backup dancer. One of, like, four of the people you married. But, like, then you've got, like, Puff Daddy, Ben Affleck, Mark Anthony. Yeah. Like, I... Jennifer Lopez. Mark Anthony again. Yeah, Jennifer Lopez. uh, Like, you're... Like, I don't have a chance with you. This this song... Like, granted, there's a lot of reasons I don't have a chance with Jennifer Lopez. But, like, the whole, like, love don't cost a thing idea just rings so false for me. Mm -hmm. In spite of that, this song is great. It's a really good pop song that I personally... Like, subjectively, don't like, but acknowledge that it's really good. Right. Well, that's... The only note that I have is, I wasn't sure if she's Jennifer Lopez. She's not J-Lo yet. I know that. Oh, But I wasn't sure if she was Jenny from the block. I think that's coming soon. That hasn't happened yet. I don't think so. We just did Waiting for Tonight a couple of of episodes ago. That's that's actually a really good song. That's a much better... uh, That is a really good song. That's a much better J-Lo song. I like Jennifer Lopez in general, Mm -hmm. um, even outside of music. Like, I think she's really, really good in Selena. Um, You know, there's other movies. Out of Sight's really good. I haven't seen that. Uh, I haven't seen that in forever. Yeah. And Outside's it's great. Because she's great. really good against George Clooney. Sort of. That's yeah. amazing. Uh, and then, you know, the the, the ben, uh, ben Affleck, Kevin Smith, Geely, Jersey Girl era. No one needs to think about that again. Jersey Girl was unfortunate. I can actually 
defend Geely and like you I can, don't think it's as bad as people make it out. You can look at it and, it's not and good. you know you can you can look at that and that was savable. Just the same the same problem right now that's happening to Chris Pat and Jennifer Lawrence in Passengers. Oh, oh. is that what that movie needed, what both movies needed was a script doctor. Yeah. They needed to actually work on the script instead of just going, well, we can get this A-lister and this exactly. A-lister and it'll carry it and audiences are really fucking stupid, so they'll watch anything. Audiences are not stupid. If they watch something and, and chemistry's bad because the script is bad, or chemistry's bad because the directing's bad, like, they were in a relationship. They should have good chemistry. Well, there was a real bubble on how much people gave a shit about actors who were in, a like, a couple. Like, the, the whole... They were they were pre-Benifer Benifer. Because um, that, that, that name was reserved for uh, the Daredevil relationship that mm. would later happen, if I'm not mistaken. But, like, people just, it hit a brick wall where, like, people just didn't give a shit about the two of them together anymore and certainly didn't want to see it, like, romanticized in a film. I think there was an oversaturation and people got done. There's also a weird side plot where the guy from The Hangover, who's the one who goes missing, plays a retarded character. And it's, and well, they, they, that's the word. They, they, they drop that word throughout the entire movie. Oh, the movie. whole movie. No, oh, the whole movie. Yeah. Right up front and just... Real aggressive. It's just a it. weird, like, like using like the mentally handicapped as a joke. Again, very pre nine eleven kind of, uh, but kind of thing. And as as much as I like that actor in the Hangover movies, I can't think of his name. Well, he's also in National Treasure, which yes, which I fucking love that movie. Yeah. That's actually a really great Nick Cage movie because he doesn't go. Someone put the reins on him, and he didn't go super crazy at any point. It was amazing. See the National Treasure episodes on CageClub.me. Oh my god, yeah, it's it's real weird. Um, it's like they were still – like there's something about Mary probably came out like four years before this. And like 1996, we're still in a time when But there's people, like a – something it's, about Mary – It's too much though. But there's like a sensitivity to it because she gives a shit about him and she's yeah. caring to her, her brother. Don't they kidnap him in this in Geely? Yeah. It's a, that's a weird It's movie. weird. It's not a good movie, but it's not like the worst movie ever made. Do you know what's amazing? Every, like, and I've watched, Jersey Girl is worse, I think. Jersey Girl is worse. What's great is I've only watched Geely once, and when I start to think about it or have a conversation with someone, the same emotion floods back to me every time. It's like, uh, like a, a memory comes back every time, and that memory is, oh, Al Pacino was in that movie. Al Pacino's in... I thought Christopher Walken was in that they're movie. They're both in it. No. They're both fucking in it. Jesus, what are we doing? Chris Walken plays, I believe, a hitman. Yeah, and I think that's Al Pacino right. is like the boss. Really? Yeah. Wow. And he's only in the last act, but they, they still got him. Did they ever do another movie together? Or is that like De Niro and him did The Deer Hunter? Like, God, if that's the only movie that Walken and then De Niro and Pacino did Heat, if that's the only Pacino's movie that, not in True Romance. No, that's Chris Walken and Dennis Hopper. Dennis Hopper. That's a great. If that's the only movie where Walken and Pacino share like an IMDb credit, that's criminal. Because we're not even in the era where both of them have given up. Like both of them are still trying. They're still working. This might be the movie that made them give up. They're still working. I can see that. Yeah, I can hundred percent see that. This this music video was five fucking minutes long. Again, isn't there like a chase scene in the middle? There's a dance breakdown. Dance break where they turn into a postcard. (laughs) What are we doing? We're just in this era of choreographed dancing. We're like, we don't need this. It's very much every video is trying to be a boy band video. Mm. Like, boy band videos are the biggest, so every video needs choreographed dancing. Well, I think there's also a little bit of, like, this showmanship is so big right now in music videos that there's still even... So, doing the over 
over-involved plot. That's Michael Jackson. And uh, sure. And the CGI, and I, I really do wonder if a, you get a room full of producers together and they're like, hey, remember when Paula Abdul danced with that cat? <laughs> it's like that Keen Peel sketch about Gremlins too. Yeah, exactly. It's like, we could probably do that better now because we've got Jurassic Park's like like six, seven years old. This shit's cheap now. Well, and Puff Daddy's only a couple years away from making million-dollar music videos. Yeah. It's fucking a weird time. This video also really, and unsurprisingly, um, like a, a big through line that we've noticed on these episodes has been that sex sells in these videos. Um, mm-hmm. J-Lo, uh, really, she's her own video babe here. She's just dancing around. In the she's beach. just owning it. She's just... I mean, it's so weird that, like, it's tough to talk about the cult of J-Lo, like, the cult of personality she was at this time, without sounding like... There's no world where someone is young enough that is listening to this that didn't like wasn't there at the time. But, like, to talk about J-Lo is to, like... There's this, this... You're objectifying her because so much of her image that she sold was just, like, J-Lo butt. Like, yeah. such a thing. Yeah. And that's all over this video. I mean, I'm not complaining. Like, mm. uh, but it, it's just weird to talk about it now. Like, we talked about how, like, some things were okay in 2001 are less okay now. Just talk about, like, her body as this idea. But it's interesting. But yeah, it but was. It was its own... Her butt was her own character. But that's something that the rest of mainstream culture is only caught up with in the past, like, six, seven years. Or, or, like, oh, yeah. Well, maybe a little longer, maybe, like, ten years. That people are treating themselves like that. But she... You could almost break it down that she saw her body, if you want to simplify it to her ass... As a commodity. Oh, yeah. And a sellable commodity, a marketable commodity. She could make money off of herself. I mean, she, amazing voice, amazing dancer. She, amazing dancer. She got her start as a fly girl in, in Living Color. Sure did. Um, like, kind of kind of mold-breaking on that. Like, to be the first to be like, I think I, I think I got something going here that I can well, Especially for, like, she mainstreamed the butt. Yeah. Kind of back that ass up on the previous episode, but, like, this, this like, glorification of the female big booty existed in a very, like, uh, minority subculture. Uh, it wasn't, like, the big thing. J-Lo really pushes that. This is 2001, so this is, this is April, I have April 3rd, 2001. This is pre-Cisco and the Thong Song? No, uh, this, uh, this Thong Song was an omission on the last episode, so it was, like, just around November. Okay. Song. All right, so, but the culture... Butts are becoming a thing. But they are becoming a thing, so their culture is... Uh, that's what's, Yeah. Yeah. White America is noticing the big booty. They're getting... And not shying away from it. Right. You can't. It's, like, there. There are... Things are making it safer um, for, like, your your white American middle America person to acknowledge a big booty. Whereas before it was, you know, uh, like I said, mystical doing like back that ass up your, your Iowa 18 year old white girl is not going to be like, mm, no, I'm not going to touch big booty is not okay. But then JLo starts to do it. Thong song becomes a huge thing. Do you think this is when we also see a rise in obesity in America? <laughs> I don't is think it's related. Is that- <laughs> we are in the Bush era. So I mean, I wouldn't be shocked. Um, speaking of amazing asses, you want to go into Destiny's Child with Independent Holy Part shit, one? yes I do. Because that is the only song. I did my notes... What? I did my notes yesterday. I spent a solid afternoon. This is the only song that I listened to three times. Shit. Repeatedly. Because all their shit was catchy. All their shit was catchy. So and, and again, looking back and how young and 
All right, had to make a quick edit there. We've added to our studio audience. It has grown uh, four times as large since we started it's recording gonna this. It's going to grow. Live episodes are pretty fun. Uh, you get more drunk during them, apparently. Uh, we were on Destiny's Child, and we were talking about how fucking woman. good this song is. It's so and fucking... do you, there has to be another cut of this song that doesn't have all of the Charlie's, Charlie's Angels, Angels references, in it. right? So that was amazing because, one, I, I, again, I'm sure that that song only played in the movie during the credits. Credits, right, yeah. And probably while some gag reel was playing on half the screen. And, like, what was so funny was that, one, I completely forgot about that movie. Two, Me too. I definitely saw that movie in the theaters wow. because I saw it on a date because I thought I'd impress my date by taking her to such a progressive movie that three women are the lead. Also, I, my biggest memory of the Charlie's Angels movie is Crispin Glover mm-hmm. being a real creep. Yeah, well, that was like my, and my only exposure to Crispin Glover was the first Back to the Future right. film. And I didn't understand that he actually is a crazy person. That's why they replaced him in the second one. And mm-hmm. he just let that kind of like out there. He let that fly in in, uh, in in Charlie's Angels. What I do with all the like the, the all the weird things feel about Bill Murray. The things I remember is that I remember Tom Green was in the film. And I was like, this is not necessary. I was already over that. Do and you know why he was in the film? No, he was. I don't know if they ever he was got dating, married. No, he, was, he was dating Drew Barrymore. He was engaged to Drew Barrymore, That's right. but he had the 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 the, the ball cancer, and he made the special about it. I remember That's she right. was on it. So wow, yeah. Tom Green, I forgot about him. Yeah, the the thing I remember walking away from that movie being impressed by was who is this Sam Rockwell character? Oh, I like him Rockwell. a lot. I think I'm going to start trying to find films he's done. Absolutely blue. And then like later in the year, I saw him in Green Mile. What else would Sam Rockwell have really been in at this time? It's like that Green Mile. Like, I love Sam Rockwell. You know what? He, you know what? Hitchhiker's Guide to um, later. Galaxy Quest. He might have been in by now. Oh, that's right. As Guy. Yeah, he's so good in Guy. I love he's Galaxy so Quest. Fucking, it's such a good movie. But yeah, I remember being impressed by him. But yeah, leaving that, I remember leaving that movie. That was like one of the first times I went and paid money to see a movie. And I was like, um, not okay. Not okay that I just spent money on that. Yeah, it's so, and again, just like overjoyed. There's something about... I'm sure there's a different cut of that, that music video, but there's something that I really enjoy the movie tie-in music video. It's there's something, and it has to it has to tie into like like a youth neural pathway of like no, this really used to be a thing. This should be a thing all the time. Don't you remember it? And in that moment, I was like, I do remember it. I remember seeing that movie. It was bad. This like. Beyonce is going to rule the world for a long time. Like, this is the start of that kind of... But we didn't know that yet. We didn't, but um, I I don't remember who it is, and I'm going to have to look it up for the show notes. Um, But there is a critic whose thesis is that every Beyonce song, and going back to Destiny's Child, the main idea of all of her songs is, fuck you, I'm awesome. And that is so true and so good, because this kind of ties into the previous song, where Jennifer Lopez is saying, like, I don't need your money. I'm fine. But she's still tying into this idea of love. Beyonce's just like, I don't need your money. I'm fine. Double middle fingers up, kick flip out of the room on a skateboard. Like, it doesn't need the love stuff. Beyonce, where it comes across as false in the J-Lo song, I feel like Beyonce really means it. And we're in a, we're in a time today where she, she can say that to fucking Jay-Z. She can do a whole album. She can do an entire fuck you album. She certainly can. Which, again, I, I 
art, I don't think artists flex that as much as they used to maybe back in the 60s and 70s because artists also used to turn out way more albums because they yeah. didn't tour as much. The thing that – and yeah, I do get that. The thing that was just interesting is that Independent Woman is a – Women is a great song. It's very empowering. But it's weird to have it put against Charlie's Angels in the background because the whole thing is about – yeah, they're, they're strong, but they still – they are a possession. They are Charlie's Angels. Correct. And they even end the music video with the three girls of – the three women of Justine's Child responding to Charlie on the phone – in that, like, sort of like, no, he owns them. And they do so the, the pose. And they do yeah. the pose. So it's, are you independent? Are you Charlie? You're independent angels? I, I, it's, I, it, was, it was weird. It, it threw me for a loop. You can't have financial independence when you're uh, doing what works for a mystery voice. Yeah, if you're just doing, you know, Marsock operations. <laughs> that's just bizarre. Oh, man. Destiny's Child as Blackwater. Yeah. <laughs> I love that. Um, I love no, that yeah, movie. Like it, it, this, this is a song that doesn't deserve to be tied to a movie. No, like it's so much better than the sum of its parts. Kind yeah, of exactly. It, it's a shame that, and I, I did not remember that this was tied to that until I saw the video when they shout out Lucy Liu and, and Cameron Diaz yeah. all, all together. There's not much I can say, and I, I, I know she's going to come up a lot. Like, I wonder how often Beyonce and or Destiny's Child is going to come up on on this show, and I'm just going to be like, it was great. Next, you're gonna you're gonna start seeing. I think you, you'll see it more and more. I think you'll you'll watch a, a sharp. Right? Is this the first Destiny Child? Uh, we had ladies even man at home. I'm gonna jump and jump in on the last jump one. Jump and jump in. Okay. It feels like she's dragging this dead weight around with her. That is Destiny's Child. It's, it's, it's again, looking backwards, hindsight, like, it's painfully obvious that it's just, she's like, well, here I am. And I have backup singers, I guess. I don't know. I was, this was, we were marketable this way. I mean, you're looking back at an NSYNC song. It's like, who's going to be the breakout guy here? Exactly. It's, it's, it's obviously Lance Bass. Yeah. yeah. Mm-hmm. <laughs> He's going to do mm-hmm. it. He's going to go to space or whatever. Yep. Um, but, I mean, I, I actually think Destiny's Child is really good. They harmonize really well together. Beyonce probably wouldn't have blown up the way she did on her own if she couldn't springboard off of Destiny's Child. See that? Yeah. I think it's important that she started in a group. But I mean, yeah, it's clear who's going to be the superstar whose name we remember right. at the end of this. Uh, it, the song is is fantastic, and this is in a real tight competition with Bye 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 as the best song on this album, in my opinion. Mm, I'll get back to you when we get to the end of it. All right. I think you're right, though. By the way, it's definitely, I think, is my number one right now. Oh, man, this song. Uh, it wasn't me. I fucking hate this song. Shaggy. But she caught me on the counter. Wasn't me. Saw me banging on the sofa. Wasn't me. I even had her in the shower. I used to fucking hate this song. Revisiting this, I kind of liked it as a novelty, even though it's not a novelty song. So uh, yeah, I totally remember it, and yeah, it does. It has, it has, it's got a great, great refrain, great hook. I remember liking it a lot more in years past, but again, listening to it now. It's an awful. It's an, it's an awful fucking culture of like, oh, well, I got caught cheating. Lie, just lie. Sure, it's a gross. Song. Yeah, but I, just lie. You could lie. Like, it's fucking all. And then the things he got caught doing. I don't even write. I didn't even write down the full lyric. But there's one is like, caught me on the bathroom floor. Gross. You are a gross person. I don't give a shit if that's my own fucking bathroom. 
Gross. Do you know what happens in bathrooms? No. Gross. Pass. A thousand times pass. I love Shaggy's. He, like, Shaggy, um, I think it's Jamaican. He's like, there's the, the patois in his voice that, it, like, exists. And, like, that's not the point, like, that I'm... I, that I'm pointing out, but I just love doing his voice in the song. And like, I, sometimes I do it. I'm like, am I racist? Um, it, it's, it's not the, like the, the Patois and his, his, his accent. No, he does it like on that. purpose. It's not racist. He wants to sound like a cartoon character. <laughs> I, th- I think that is part of his voice though, for real. Like he's got an accent. The, the vocal melody of the song is really fun. And you add that to his voice. And it's just like something that I want to just do as a voice every now and then. <laughs> Just answer the phone that way. Absolutely. This song is really, yeah, it's fun, but I, I feel like I'm being like inoculated towards how gross pop music is. Cause there were so many times in this project so far that have been like, yeah, I like the song, but it's just really grody. <laughs> but this song, I'm, I'm to the point where I'm like, ah, fuck it. This song's fun. But does it make you wonder? It's like, oh man, even like going back, however long it's like, that is really gross. But it was a chart topper. Or people, yeah. What are people listening to? Are people listening to the lyrics or just the hook? It's pop music. No one's ever listened to the lyrics. Yeah, I, I really think because, oh, whose new track? Ariana Grande? Back, side to Side? Yeah. The song's called Side to Side. It's about being dicked so hard, so well, that you, you, you're can't walk sore straight. and you can't walk straight. Wow. And it, got, it somehow got past a lot of people. Like, it just blew up, just absolutely. And then the, the music video came out. Which is essentially her running an aerobics class. No, pop music's still gross. That was my point. It's getting away from me. We've been drinking. Yes, we have. Um, mm-hmm. Well, I mean, we're also going to hit a point where in a couple of episodes, we're, we're pretty far away from it, but at some point we're going to do Hey Ya, and we're going to get to this point where like... That's a bummer of a song. That was at every wedding in like yeah. 2003 to 2000, probably now, that's a song about divorce. It's a song about divorce. Uh, but it's going to get played at every wedding because it's fun. Yeah. This, according to... You can make uh, the same thing about um, Big Wedding Song, Meat Loaves, Paradise, Paradise by, by Dashboard Light. Dashboard Light is not a happy song. No, it's about, you know, two teens wanting to have sex with each other, so he commits himself into a relationship, yes. which he regrets instantly. instantly. Just, to, just to get to fucking, just to get the home run, just to run the bases. Yeah. And that gets sung at weddings. He just wants the Phil Rizzuto uh, cameo in that song. Like, and come on. And he's stuck until the end of time. And people will sing all nine minutes of that at weddings forever. As hard as they possibly can. They split wedding parties, like, up, girls on this side, guys, sing at each other. Which is real weird. Sing your sexual repression at one each other. Just real shouty and drunk and spitty sometimes. A lawyer coined the phrase shaggy defense during the R. Kelly trial when he was caught on camera and just went, it wasn't me. And got off for it. Well, got off in multiple ways, I'm sure. But uh, was found not guilty. And this has become a thing. Just, are you on camera? Just deny it. It wasn't me. And he, he coined the phrase shaggy, shaggy defense, defense. And that is still Holy a thing. Holy crap. I feel like that's going to be a thing we hear for like the next four years. That's a so lot. Rude. Oh, yeah. We're going to no. get shaggy yeah. defensed and gaslit like, for like, for a long oh, time. Oh, we're already getting gaslit. This song, like I said, this feels like a gimmick song. Um, even though it's not. And when it comes to songs like this, I'd rather have this than, like, Who Let the Dogs Out. But who? Who? Oh. The next song is 3LW's, <laughs> 3LW's No More. No 
I don't know what song this is. This song, according to, again, the YouTube comments, there's a line at the beginning about broken promises, and I guess one of the singers has a really bad lisp, because all of the Oh, yes! So, yeah, broken, I, I wrote that. Broken promises, T-H. Uh, people were just like, I just Googled broken promises and got here. In the first... In the first... And this, I'm trying not to be shitty. I'm trying really hard not to be shitty. In the first 10, 15 seconds, it's painful. And the lisp comes in, and it's really noticeable. And they thought, this is what I was talking about before, they thought they could fix it with auto-tune. This is a really heavily auto-tuned song. They could have just had someone in the studio go, and then cut that in. Yeah, it's, it's and, and it's just, she winds up sounding like an animal in the Casio keyboard forest. It does not sound it's like a good. Yeah, it's not good. And there's, this is actually, there's a decent amount of notes that I wrote for this one, because mostly for the music video. Oh, good, because I have nothing for Okay, this. because this was, again, this is this is the early 2000s. They couldn't figure out what fashion was. Yeah. So they're wearing, half the time they're wearing, like, they just tried to force all these fashions to come up. They're like, bell bottoms, but also hip huggers, but also... Acid wash is back. Uh, everyone and has a everything's mid- back. Midriffs everywhere. Midriffs everywhere. Uh, we're gonna. Everyone's gonna wear those pants. They're stitched up the side, but open. It was like stripper chic, <laughs> okay. uh, which is the best that I could come up with. I also wrote bedazzled bandanas because I oh, saw yes. those in the music video. Which is insane. But not then, the best bandana on this album. We will get to a better bandana. No, that's later. Yes. Um, and also, I wrote sp- uh, live action spray pr- spray paint brats. <laughs> Yeah, oh my with god, it is Bratz. Bratz with a Z. Yes. That's so that yeah, that's that's is that the genesis of the Bratz is from this music video? Yeah, they, they there's there's a It's not. Is it them? There there's a point in the song where a street artist spray paints the band and they look like Bratz dolls and then they come to life. But they get up like Judge Doom from <laughs> Who Framed Roger Rabbit and it's creepy as shit. Give them give 3LW the dip. Yeah, it's really <laughs> upsetting. Because it was like, oh, they're going to murder him. Like, that is just no good. There's a line in the song um, about, you promised me Kate Spade, but that was last year, back in the eighth grade. Whoa. Are these girls supposed to be, like, very young teenagers? They're my age. Oh, that can't gross. be. That can't be. They're extremely developed for 14. That, yeah, that's just so that's weird a bummer. lyric. That's just, that's uh, weird. That's a forced rhyme, perhaps? Yeah. Oh, that's so upsetting. Now now does this on every album so far. They they have a middle of the album with just these R and B songs that are not great. So that you so you think already with, with 3WL, who we all know and love, they were being they weren't known yet and they were being pushed. Like consumers, this is who you should listen to next. This is the next big thing. This is now music. This is the music of now. I think if we have another uh song by them, which we will on another couple of episodes. This song was familiar to me. I, I feel like I vaguely nothing. remembered I at least the video, but I feel like there might have been a lot of videos of this aesthetic at the time. Mm-hmm. Um, but I feel like I remember this. If we do this again, I will say yes. But at this point now does this thing where they front load with pop, they end with rock, they stick R&B oh, yeah, they do. right in the middle. That's been every – that's how they make their mixtapes as of right now. I didn't even notice that. I mean, you haven't. You've just didn't. Yeah, yeah, you haven't, well, you haven't yeah. seen the trends that I have, unfortunately. I can't see the code. Uh, my spreadsheets are very in depth. Um, <laughs> the algorithm has directed me here, but but there's just this middle where it's mediocre R and B, and this kind of starts. The next song is really mediocre R and B as well. There's nothing about the song that 
it might be the most skippable song on this entire disc. It, other, than, I mean, the brass thing is is funny. The, the video is certainly better than the next video, but as a song, it's it's very uninteresting. Next video got me excited. All right, let's just jump right into Casey and JoJo's crazy. So I don't I don't recognize the song at all. Not even Me neither. No one knows the Casey and JoJo song that's not all my life. But ex- exactly, especially since we both know Joe Bruno. Again, but seeing Casey and JoJo, I'm like I should obviously know this song. And it's one of those it's one of those artist names. I'm like, why well, should like if I see it, I'm like I should just know that song. Really, it's it's kind of not upsetting, but it is surprising. I'm like, oh wow, no, I really know nothing of them, but they were that big with that hit, that one song. That it's it's just. It just got like branded in, in, into your memory. Like yes. I'm just, I remember that. Yeah, crazy. I'd never heard before. But again, super stoked that it was a movie tie-in with Save the Last Dance. Yes. Uh, immediately, uh, you see Julia Stiles, and you're like, "What?" Oh, the second I saw Julia Stiles, I was like, "Well, this is clearly not Ten Things I Hate About You. This must be Save the Last Dance." I can't remember. Julia Stiles shows up in the audience. Julia Stiles shows up in all of the Bourne movies. Is that her? Yes, I think save one of them, but yes. Uh, I mean, a movie that I'd completely forgotten about, but is more memorable than this song. you? The movie's dope. Um, so, WikiWikiWawaPedia says that this song is notable um, for its use of autotune. Before autotune was prominent as an effect, pardon me, Wikipedia, um, and Casey and or JoJo, who edited the Wikipedia, but Cher's Believe was three years earlier. That's a really bad offender. Yeah. That's, like, that is the song that made autotune not just, like, a thing to fix fuck-ups. That, that was an effect. That well, was, like, putting brought it, it brought it into the, the zeitgeist, really. Yeah. Because people were like, no. Because she, Cher just hit one note in the recording and was like, all right, well, I wanted to go higher here. I well, wanted to do this. To, and to so hit, they messed with it. To use autotune as an effect, you have to be able to sing... A slightly, a slightly different note than you want to hit. If you're using autotune to fix, you just have to get it close and then, like, put it back. Like, to use it as this this distortion, like they used in, in Believe, like, Cher had to purposely do stuff. Because that whole song has the, the autotune on it. Yeah. Like Cher's, Cher's Believe was not used as autotune as a correction. That was used as an effect. And okay. I think that's the same thing here, too. They're using it as an effect, uh, same as you'll get in T-Pain songs, 95 fucking nows from now. The, the Wikipedia does not get to say this song is notable for doing that before it was popular. They're, they're three years late. Cher scooped them. Also, Cher's Twitter is awesome, and if you don't follow Cher on Twitter, you're making a huge mistake because her Twitter is fucking hilarious. She just writes full sentences and emojis. It's amazing. She's a monster. Like it's a puzzle? It, yes. Awesome. Cher's, like, Cher's Twitter is like if you stare into the abyss too long, it stares back at you, but it stares back with like the poop emoji. <laughs> Seriously. It's like a very special follow Sharon kind Twins. of abyss. It's, it's incredible. Uh, this I have nothing else to say about this song. Yeah, no, I, 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 I minimal notes. I literally my note is save the last dance music movie music video exclamation point. That's it. You know, if, if save the last dance, if I'm hungover one day and save the last dance is on like Showtime three, I'll watch it. Three. It's not being on Showtime one. I'll tell you that. Anyway, uh, someone who I. I used to hate who he became, but now this 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 fucking uh, podcast is making me love him, despite the horrible things he's probably done. Is R. Kelly, and this song is called "I, I Wish." I am so excited. 
to talk about this song. Okay, let's <laughs> let's talk about this song. Um, <laughs> we've we've done the whole talking about R. Kelly. Is he problematic or not? Let's try not to do that here. Okay. Um, so first off, interesting thing: this song was supposed to have a Tupac verse before he died. Shut up. Yeah. Is that what all the acting in the middle was filling in for? Uh, I don't know. That's insane. That's insane. This song reminded me of Crossroads, and then he, at the end of the song, he says, I'm at the Crossroads, so I wonder if he was, like, referencing Bone Thugs a little like bit. A nice, like a nice little nod? It's a song about some, uh, someone dying. Like, uh, so, and I don't know if it was specifically about Tupac or if that was a... Well, it's more than just about dying. Accident. It's it's about dying, and then what do you do in that, like, wake? Like, what, right. do, you, what do you do in that, ab- in, that, in, that, in that absence? Like, how do you fill that? Like... How do you keep going on and not being an asshole by being going on? Which is really cool. I feel like I stopped, like a lot of people, I stopped listening to, and I wrote it down, uh, the, the whole sex scandal thing broke February 2002. So we're just a little over a year from that. He can, he really can do no wrong. This is after Space Jam. Sure is. Uh, which is, that's, I mean, that was one of the first CDs that I owned. So that was like kind of my first exposure to Arcade. And it was just it's He's amazing. After his, or during, but definitely towards the tail end of his real uncomfortable marriage to Aaliyah. Yeah, yeah. I forgot about that. This is a this is a great, I will watch this video again. R. Kelly videos are incredible. Does he, do, all right, this is something I didn't, I didn't look up and I, I, I wish I did. Does he direct them? I don't know if he directs, but he has a big part in he all of his videos. Does. Tell stories. Because watching this. Watching this, like it's the way it's shot, and it's it's very like John Woo shoots a John Woo film. There's Quentin doves, Tarantino yeah. shoots a Quentin Tarantino There's film. Feet. This was an <laughs> this was an R Kelly music video. Absolutely. I just slow mo. We're gonna do weird angles, and and we're we're gonna we're gonna stand like I'm standing on the ground, but then the camera's gonna that be below me. Really good. And I'm stand I'm standing on glass, but it's like it's the ground, and there's roses. Like that's. That's really good. That like, I'm, I'm, and I'm just appreciating it. Like, that's really fucking good. And then in the middle to do as, as the the Lion King moment. Okay, yeah, let's talk about that. So um, this is not the first R. Kelly video where it stops. And I talked about this with Bye Bye Bye, where it breaks the uh, the momentum of the song to do plot. In R. Kelly videos, it sort of works. Um, probably because it doesn't build up that much momentum because usually R. Kelly songs are a little, little more slow. Well, it's jams. an agreement you've made by watching the R. Kelly video. <laughs> You've agreed to like this might go off the rails. I'm fine with that. Yeah. If you're if you're on if you're on an Amtrak train, that's not supposed to go off the rails. That's the agreement you've made. This is supposed to, this is supposed to go from here to here to here. But the second you 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 hitch yourself to any kind of artist, it's like no, this might go to crazy town. Yeah, I bought that ticket, so this is on me if, if it makes me uncomfortable. We mentioned he has a Lion King moment. He talks to his dead mom this in the clouds. Dead mom. Is that actually? Do you know? Is that actually his mom voice? I'm that? sure it's not his. I mean, if his mom is actually, and that's the other thing, I don't know if his dead? mom was actually dead. I don't know if that was like an artistic choice of like the day my mother dies, I'm going to have a conversation with the clouds and her voice. Because I don't know if he did an open. Because that also Holy means shit. that his mom might have been dead, which means that he held an open casting call for. And I wouldn't be. It wouldn't be anyone who enunciates a certain way. Probably guessing by how R. Kelly seems to be. It would be the woman who sounds the most like his mom. Wow, yeah. Holy shit. Yeah, he probably cast his dead mom via <laughs> voiceover 
Wow. That is insane. That is something. That's so insane. But again, like watching watching this video, I was like, no, he already in 2001, he has a very clear vision of what he wants to do with his video. Oh, he's been doing that for a long time. And he been and yeah, but it was it was even clear it, it, it was very Obviously, he's going to do an entire album about being trapped in the closet. Like, it was not surprising. I'm like, watching this, I was like, yeah, that's legitimately on his horizon, and he can see it right now in 2001. Uh, The thing about R. Kelly that gets me is that I believe him when he sings. There's something about his vocal performance and his voice where everything he says sounds very sincere, and that elevates him to a level that a lot of R&B singers... Casey and Jojo uh, can't get to like, I, I buy into every word that R Kelly has to say to me. I mean, he writes it like, I mean, like again, nothing against Casey and Jojo. I'm sure they write their own shit, but I don't know. It, I think it comes cause he writes from a personal place to a fault. He writes from a personal place. He had a conversation with a cloud who was his dead mother. Ooh. He writes from a personal place to a fucking fault. It doesn't matter if it's bonkers. It just he he just has his feelings and he's gonna put it out there and if you like it you like it if you don't he seems to be fine with it because again at the very end of that video what kind of hat or okay you, let's talk about that what so, is hat is it's like a pope's hat but it's blue <laughs> he's wearing what appears to be like a des- designer bandana because it's like a light blue bandana that matches his denimish jacket and pants. But it also has this like red and gold trim around the sides, and it's he's wearing it pointed it up like a pope hat. I thought it looked like an Ebenezer Scrooge esque like sleeping nightcap. <laughs> it looks he looks like he's in pajamas, which is why I thought the the talking to the dead mom thing was a dream. Oh, sequence. dream sequence, yeah. But a like, natural progression. Why is that he dressed like an eighteen nineties rich man who's going to sleep? But then I realized it was just a bandana. It's not the worst fashion choice because we're in the early 2000s, and when he's wearing a suit, every suit at this time was super baggy. Like, that was the style. Well, um, Everyone looked like David Byrne we're from just, Making Sense. Uh, fashion did kind of cling on for a little bit. There's a, a very famous picture. Uh, I'll try to find it linked in the show notes of, like, the 2001 NBA draft class, and they're all wearing these giant giant suits, and it looks like they're all like doing— square shoulders. Oh, and, they all look like David Byrne, and it's uh, incredible. Um <laughs> The, the the video, much like a lot of R. Kelly's output, especially stuff that's more sentimental and not as bump and grindy, mm-hmm. um, the video kind of laps the song a lot of the time. Uh, and I feel the same way about this one. Is like I have more memories of the song than uh, – uh, um, excuse me. Of the video? I have more memories of the video than the song. Yeah. And I just watched it this morning. That's okay. R. Kelly – is like an auteur. But again, it's so unlike previous videos that we've talked about, it's not like it, the video was made to promote the song. I really think that R. Kelly just sees music videos as a further artistically for the music video sense. He's a decent person to follow Michael Jackson. He, he treats music videos as an art form. That's what he uses it for. It's another, it's another outlet for him to express the feelings behind this song, because again, the video is bonkers. Yeah, but that's but he definitely one hundred percent signed off on everything. Was in charge of everything. It was his. They were all his artistic choices. The tonal shift of just the video. If you watch this on mute, you're going from him sad at a grave to him drinking champagne in front of a car. Yep. Like what? Are and you he winds like? it back on the block as well. It, it's. It's whiplashy. Yeah. Uh, I'm not talking about jazz drumming. Like, it's just like, it's going from one thing and then just 
whoosh to the next. And it's like, and when you're, when you're listening to the lyrics of the song, it's like, okay, you're reminiscing about these great, like extravagant times you had with the dead person. Okay. But like, it's just weird to see it done visually, but that's a lot of R. Kelly's stuff too. But uh, there's something about that that's endearing. And um, sometimes I wonder if R. Kelly is aware how weird and offbeat his stuff is, or if he's a full-on, like, Tommy Wiseau of music videos. I think it's his world and we get to visit it, honestly. I I think that's just... I'm super into that. He just... I don't think he lets anything... He doesn't let any kind of outside influence phase him. Because, again, with the sex scandal and and the tape and and, and the peeing, whatever that fucking shit... Who bounces back from that? Uh... Yeah. Like, I mean, who who doesn't go through, like, the public shame? And di- it was just like, all right, it's done. I'm going to make another album. Just, like, back, just back at it. Just, hey, piss parties are coming back into, into style yo. now. Uh, <laughs> all right. Uh, once, let's jump to the next song. That's a good segue. Yeah. Uh, is it, though? Um, <laughs> for the Backstreet Boys, Shape of My Heart. I'm pretty sure what happened with this music video, um, just because we're on that train already before we get to the song. A producer said, hey, this album is called Black and Blue. Um, can you work that into the music video? And the director was was just like, yeah, sure. And instead of, like, lighting it, interestingly, they just shot it with a blue filter. And it looks like it's a, it's a segment out of, like, Hex and Witchcraft Through the Ages from, like, 1920, it, where they just slapped a blue it, fucking cell Yeah, it kind of looks like... It kind of looks like a. a um, it's hideous. It's a college. It's a, it's a it's a art project from a college student. He's like, I'm gonna put a blue filter on it because this is a sad film. It's sub Kevin Smith. People need to know that it's sad. It's ugly as hell, and it's like I was saying before, where the Backstreet Boys have kind of hit this thing where they're not doing fun music anymore. They're taking a very simple beat. They're putting an acoustic guitar line, not even like a really like a, a catchy riff. It's just like a. Little cup, couple strums for the sound of acoustic guitar. Like that's how you know it's maudlin and sad. And they harmonize a little bit, not even in the same way. In no, ways. no, they don't. they don't. They can't. They can't pull that off. I still, uh, I still love this song though. And it's this a, is it's the a, best chorus Backstreet has done. Yes, on well, it's a personal reason that I love this song. So oh, earlier, God. earlier I talked about um, Charlie's Angels and being on a date. I definitely got a ride home from the girl I was dating at the time. Maybe like a third or fourth day. Went back to her mom picked us up. We had awkward we, movie hand job. Yeah, awkward movie hand job. Uh, maybe not that. No, it wasn't that time. This is why I know for a fact it wasn't that time uh, because we went back to her house. We were supposed to study, and while listening to the radio, this song came on. The first time that I got to feel boobs. Oh yeah, under the shirt, like bra not undone, but counts. Oh. So like super important song. Totally forgot about that until I listened to it. Yesterday. You almost literally felt the shape of her heart. <laughs> oh, that was good. Yeah, uh, uh, this is the first Backstreet Boys song um, that I didn't think was just like a. I'm making the jerk off motion as if people listening to a podcast can see that, but like most of the they time they can't hear space work. Yeah, what have I been doing? I'm exhausted. Uh, it's just most of the Backstreet Boys songs have been very boring ballads, and this is the first one that is. Like, the chorus melody is pretty good. Mm-hmm. Um, the end of the song where they layer the, the chorus on top of background lines, like it, it's good. It's just disappointing that the big thing that I've seen is that Backstreet Boys don't have the discography. Now we finally hit something that I think is good, and I'm like, I, 
too little too late on this project huh. for me. Like I know that Backstreet Back exists. That's before this though. From what I'm seeing from volume one to volume six, we've had so many good in sync songs. Just unimpressed. Like this yeah. it, it's taken this long to hit a Backstreet Boy song that isn't trash. Um but like yeah, this is the good one so far. <laughs> but you're just coming at it with like, you know, like all right, let's see what you can do. Right, I guess that's fine. If this was a band who just every song wasn't a ballad, this would be a great addition to their discography. It's like, this is a good ballad. Mm. But every when every song is a ballad, it's just, this becomes another so it song. It gets lost. It gets lost exactly. in like the ether. Exactly. And it doesn't help that the video is the, just a fucking, <laughs> it's just a blue shit. There's, there's nothing to it. There's nothing interesting. It's just they filmed it in... In, in monochrome and then slap the blue filter on it and it's hideous. It's a French art student's, you know, thesis. It's just it's so too, lazy. It's so on the head. It's, it's, it's entirely because the album was called Black and Blue and they were just like, duh, let's make the video black and blue. <laughs> and then they drank their expensive champagne because they were producing the Backstreet Boys. It definitely happened in that order. <laughs> yeah, uh, like it's fine, but like I said, too little too late. <laughs> Anything else to say about Backstreet Boys Shape My Heart? Did I no, of, I feel I, like I kind of monopolized that. I think I'm... No, 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 no. I'm good. Can people find you on the internet? Do you have any internet presence? Like a Twitter you want to plug? Or uh Well, is that Peanut Gallery? <laughs> Can you be found on internets? I, I do exist on the internets. Do you uh, want to promote? I'd have to look up my tags. Uh, oh, I'm not... Crazy. I'm not... I'm not on Twitter. Yeah, crazy talk about Twitter 013. At not on Twitter. At not on uh, they can follow me on the grams that are instant. Oh, okay. Uh, and yes, everyone, the peanut gallery nailed it because it's based off of an old Simpsons joke that no one gets anymore. And I had to be the 13th one to get it for some reason, but it's crazy talker, all one word, crazy talker, zero 13. Okay. Lots of dick pics on Instagram. I imagine. So many dick pics. Yeah. Just follow mostly. That. Your last tweet was October of 2015. Well, is there anything good or was it me looking for free shit? I know I'm still catching up, but love Colin Hanks, season one of Fargo. <laughs> He's very good on Fargo. Well, thank you for doing uh, this episode. Absolutely. And we're going to pretend like we're not going to record the second half right after we go take a piss. Should I do like Foley work? It sounds like I'm like walking out the door. I don't have my shoes on. Just... Right, that was the episode. Hope you didn't mind the little change of sound. You can find us at all of the usual places. Best thing you can do if you want to support the show is write an iTunes review or just tell a friend. You can find the Cage Club Podcasting Network on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter at NowAgainPodcast. I mostly just retweet Smash Mouth. You can write into the mailbag at NowAgainCast at gmail.com. CageClub.me for more, and we will catch you, as always, on the flip side. The record company's gonna give me lots of money and everything's gonna be alright.